0: Let us pray. Holy Father, once again we come before You thanking You for Your Word. If it were not for the Holy Scriptures, each one of us Would come up with a different way of explaining you, your attributes, how we are to live, how we are to worship you, and various other subjects. But you have written it large and clear. Yes, there are many things that we do not understand. And there are mysteries. And there are uh, dark sayings that we haven't figured out. But the overall basics are very clear. You are the eternal God. You created the heavens and the earth. You have said there is no God but You. You have shown us that there are three in heaven, and these three are one. You have testified that Jesus is your Son, that there is none other name given whereby we must be saved other than that of the Lord Jesus Christ in His person and work. You have taught us as to how we should live and many other clear teachings that's found in the Holy Scriptures. And we are without excuse. I pray that You would bless us now as we continue studying Your Word pray that You would sanctify what's said to the hearts of all who hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. We come now to a verse of Scripture that is quite clear, quite obvious as to what is said. And it goes hand in hand with John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, which we will look at this and show quite clearly. As with first John five seven, those who seek to destroy the scriptures say that in first John five thirteen that believe on the name of the Son of God is not in the what they call the oldest manuscripts. So you can see that there are people that attack the Word of God over and over and over and over again to try to make it say what they want it to say rather than what God intends to be said. But nothing could be plainer than what is written to believers here. Notice He said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That is, He is written to those who not only initially believed, but are continuing to believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, John is saying, I'm writing to believers. Nothing could be plainer. Nothing could be plainer that I'm writing to believers. Believers. I'm writing unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, and yet the enemies of the Gospel and the enemies of the Scriptures want to take that part out. And they'll have a marginal note and said, say, well, that's not in what they call the oldest or the best manuscripts. Now, I'm not going to... Uh, tackle that uh, again. We've already touched on that. And uh, so for anybody that wants to know what I believe, go back and listen to sermons on verses 6 through 9. In other words, Armenian theology would have us to believe that John is not writing to believers. He's writing to get people to believe. He's writing to get people to believe. That's what they would have us to think. Now, we have already pointed this out uh, initially when we came to this chapter... But I want to point it out again, and let's go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And the reason I want to bring this in is because the translation is not as clear as it is in 1 John 5.13. That is, not as clear in the English, but it is clear in the Greek. And I've got a plethora of commentaries on the Gospel of John. And I can assure you that hardly any commentator on John 20, verses 30 and 31, give the accurate translation and meaning of these verses clearly. They may do so obscurely, but not clearly. In other words, most of the commentators as well and preachers. And I'm talking about people that know the Greek language and know New Testament Greek better than I do. You say, well, how can you be so uh, sure? And they not. Well, we'll show that here in a moment. And, <clears throat> and they give the idea... Of these verses, the same idea that they give John 3.16. Most people, under the guise of Christianity, will say that John 3.16 means, if you believe, then God will give you eternal life. That's what most people think. That's what most people uh, believe, and that's what is largely taught. But John 3.16, well, I'll just go there and uh, read it lest I misquote it. Uh it'd be kindly hard to misquote it, but uh, there have been many a times I thought I had everything down pat when I didn't. <laughs> but notice John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... That whosoever believeth. What is believeth? Present tense. It's not whosoever will believe, it's whosoever is already believing. And what about the believer? He should not perish, the believer will not perish. And the believer not will have, but have. He already has everlasting life. That's all John 3.16 is saying. And anybody that will say otherwise or lead you to believe otherwise is either ignorant of the Scriptures or he's dishonest. Now let's go back to John chapter 20. Now, i read verses 30 and 31, but we're going uh, to hone in uh, on verse 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. But thankfully, there was a man by the name of A.T. Robertson. Several years ago, he was probably one of, if not the most renowned Greek scholar of New Testament Greek. He was known worldwide. I've got a book in my library that's just about three to four inches wide and about eight inches tall. In other words, uh, I mean about three to four inches thick called his Greek grammar of the New Testament. Now he had a smaller grammar than that but the, and than that. But, uh, and then he also wrote a series of word studies on the various New Testament books. And concerning John 20, verse 31, listen to what this renowned Greek scholar had to say that ye may believe. And then He gave the Greek, hina, Pistueti. In other words, uh, pistueti is the word for believe. And He says, purpose with hina, that that you may, and the present active subjunctive of pistou, the word, Greek word for believe, and then he says, "Here's what that should be translated: that you may keep on believing." In other words, John wasn't writing to get people to believe. He was writing, "These are written that ye might keep on believing." And A.T. Robertson gives the the Greek construction and meaning. when most of your commentators will not do that. And Robertson went on to say, the book has had precisely this effect of continuous and successive confirmation of faith in Jesus Christ throughout the ages. In other words, he said the gospel of John has had this effect of encouraging believers to keep on believing throughout the ages. And then the part the latter part of that verse and that believing ye might have life through his name Robertson Gives the Greek grammar for it. And here he notes that the, and that believing, the word believing there is the present participle, which means continuing to believe. And the word for have is in the present active subjunctive which means to keep on having. And then he said life is eternal life so often mentioned in this Gospel. Life to be found only in the name and power of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This verse constitutes a fitting close for this wonderful book, and John may, at first, have intended to stop here, but then he goes on with re, uh, talking and writes verse twenty-one, our chapter twenty-one. But notice again. So, if we would put this in our modern vernacular. But these are written that you might keep on believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that continuing to believe you might keep on having life in His name. So John was not writing the Gospel of John in order to get people to believe. John 3.16, as we've already shown is in harmony with this. And then John closes it out and tells why he has written it. And then when we come back to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, we see that John is still saying the same thing. But let me add, it is not John that's saying it. It's God. John was writing by inspiration. John was writing by inspiration. And if time permitted, which would take several sermons to do so, we could go through the Gospel of John with many, many, many other verses as well as 1 John which we've already pointed out from time to time. Which shows that these books are in harmony and in sync with each other and that they were not written to try to get somebody to believe, but they were written to God's children who are already believers to encourage them to keep on believing and keep on serving God. And obviously, 1 John 5.13 is saying that, but the enemies of the Scriptures want to take part of it out to give you a different idea. In other words, they want to say, these things have I written unto you, that ye may have eternal life. That's what they want you to think. But no, these things, have I written unto you that ye may, unto you that believe, that believe. I believe that it is essential that the gospel be preached. And I believe we ought to preach it everywhere. And I believe that uh, God's children are to believe the gospel. And uh, we'll believe the gospel upon hearing the gospel with the work of grace in their hearts. But at the same time, belief does not cause one to have eternal life. One only believes because he's already that he, he already has eternal life. As we said when we closed out this morning, and I know it's not a popular uh, belief in modern uh, Christianity. Certainly not by Arminians and Pelagians or semi-Arminians. And many uh, so-called grace believers do not believe this. But I believe in immediate regeneration by the Holy Spirit of God without means. And I'm not alone in this. In fact, actually... For course, uh, it won't mean anything to you here in this congregation, I don't think. But to some out there that may be listening to this, uh, if they'll look up on the internet, uh, Regeneration and Conversion by Samuel Hopkins. That was a preacher that lived in the days, uh, in the 1700s, 1800s. Uh, he actually studied under uh, Jonathan Edwards. But he wrote an excellent article on regeneration and conversion and he made it plain uh, very plain that regeneration is without means by the Holy Spirit. in Bible, people that are honest with the scriptures uh, can only believe that because if if the natural man, according to first Corinthians two fourteen, if the natural man does not receive anything by the Spirit of God, well, if a man's not born again, how can he hear the gospel? How can he believe? God has to make him alive first. If I go to the funeral home and see John laying out there on the table, I made up the name John. If I go to that funeral home, see John laying there on the table, and he's dead to natural life, and I say, John, if you'll get up from there, I'll give you a drink of water. What do you think John's going to do? He's not going to get up, is he? If I say, John, I'll give you a million dollars if you'll get up. John's not going to get up, is he? He can't. He can't. He's dead. And when a person is dead in trespasses and sins, he's not only dead in sin, he's dead to the grace of God. He's not dead to God and God's grace because God's grace can make him alive, but he's dead to the grace of God. He's dead to the things of God, in other words. These things have I written unto you that believe, that is, that are already believing, on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know. That you may keep on knowing, in other words. That know is present active subjunctive. You say, well, I don't know what present active subjunctive means. Well, you can actually Google that. Say, what is present active subjunction in the New Testament Greek? In Google, and it will tell you. If somebody wants to know the truth, they'll seek it out. Well they ought to seek it out, especially preachers and Bible commentators and so-called theologians. They ought to seek out the truth and not pervert the truth because it's a it's a serious thing to pervert the gospel. Paul says to those who pervert the gospel in Galatians chapter one, Let them be accursed. Let them go to hell. That's what He's saying. And Beloved, it it takes time and it takes energy to study out these things. God didn't call any lazy preachers. Preachers might be lazy, but it's not God's fault. And then it says, not only that ye may know, that is, present, active, subjunctive, that is, that keep on knowing, that ye may have what is have, there is present, active, indicative, that is, that you're having life. As you're, as you're believing and knowing, you're having eternal life. Notice that. Notice it again, clearly, carefully. This is too important to let it slide by. I want to hammer it and hammer it and hammer it that it might find full lodging in the heart and the soul of those who hear. These things have I written unto you that believe, that are continuing to believe, that already believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. So it's it, it, believing and knowing. Believing and knowing that you have eternal life. And as we said this morning, so say we again from John chapter 17, verse 3 what is eternal life? Jesus Christ defined eternal life in His prayer to the Father. In fact, I want to turn and read John 17, not only verse 3, but verse 2 with it. Too many people have the idea man can just be a child of God and do whatever and believe whatever he wants to. That's far from the Scriptures. John seventeen two As Thou hast given Him, that is, the Father has given Christ. Well, let's go back and read verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As Thou, Father, hath given Him, Thy Son, power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. Every elect child of grace. How many did the Father give the Son? Every elect child of grace. That thou should give him eternal life. And this is life eternal. What is life eternal? That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Eternal life is knowing Jehovah, the true God. Not Shinto. Not Brahma. As almost said Buddha, Buddha didn't claim to be a God. Not Muhammad. There's only one God, the true God, Jehovah. The I Am of Exodus chapter three God almighty that called Abraham out of Ur Chalde the one that said I am God and there is none else beside me there is no God in in the book of Isaiah. What is eternal life? To know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Jesus Himself said when He was on earth, unless you believe I am He, you shall die in your sins. In First John five thirteen, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. This true God is the Creator. Genesis one one. This is the true God. And beloved, as you continue reading through the Scriptures, notice from time to time, essentially in every book, it talks about God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who created the heavens and the earth. There's only one God. There were some Athenians. Uh, Paul said, You, uh, those whom you ignorantly worship, uh, you're the offspring of God. There's only one God. He's the one that made everything. He's the one that rose in history. Notice what He said there in, in Acts 17. I'm trying to quote it, but I can't quote it. I've got to turn back there and read it right quick. And hath made of one blood all nations... for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That's Acts 17.26. In other words, the bounds of all the nations and the habitations of each ethnic group. God has set the bounds. This is the same God of of Psalm 76.10. The wrath of man praises Thee, and the remainder Thou restraineth. The true God. There is a God that is true, that is separate from all others. There's one true God. There's one true God. Eternal life is to know the one true God. Like I said, He's the God Almighty of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the I Am of, of Exodus 3. We've already made reference to this, but turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary there is no searching of his understanding Isaiah forty three Verse eleven I even I am the Lord. And by the way, you notice, uh, I didn't point this out in the other verses, but notice in uh, the word Lord is all in caps. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That means Jehovah. That's the I Am of Exodus. I, even I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. And beside thee there is no Saviour. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. There's that witness again, by the way. But we won't stop there. Yea, before the day was, I am He. Before the day was, I am. Don't you like that? Before there was ever a day, God was there. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Isaiah 45. Taken up in verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. See, I am Jehovah. I'm Jehovah. I'm the Lord. I girded thee, uh, excuse me, there is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. God said, I want people to know from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, there's no God but Me. I am the Lord, there is none else. I form the light, I create darkness. I make peace, I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, the the evil there is calamities and so on. In other words, if there's a flood, that's at the hand of God. You know, we have people say, well, God doesn't have anything to do with the tornadoes and the floods and this, that, and that. Well, if He doesn't, then He's not in control of it. He could stop it anytime He wants to. And you say, well, why does He allow things to happen? We don't know the secret things belonging to Him. Some of it is for ju- judgment. Some of it is not. And. I, I, and, well, I don't. I don't want to try to slice that cake. I, the Lord, do these things. Drop down, ye heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation. And let the righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created created it. Look at verse 11. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his Maker Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. Drop down to verse 14. Take up at the very, very end of that verse. Surely God is in thee, and there is none else. There is no God. Verily thou art a God that hideth thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. Drop down to verse 21. Tell ye, And bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord, and there is no God beside me? A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, In the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. Psalm 46. Verses 9 and 11. Verse 9, remember the former things of old. I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Verse 11, calling a ravenous bird from the east, a man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. We could multiply verses along this line. But this is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then John seventeen three. this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. So, uh, eternal life is knowing the true God. I've given you a few Scriptures, just a few, that tells you who this true God is. Eternal life is knowing this true God. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Have you bowed to Him? If you don't know Him, you don't have eternal life. And who is this Jesus Christ? Notice the Jesus whom God has sent. Eternal life is knowing the God, the Father eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ let's let's look at this Jesus Christ who he is. first of all Matthew chapter one. Matthew 1. Verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So who is this Jesus Christ? It's God on earth. It's God on earth. This is the one that a virgin shall be born, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Isaiah 7 14. And John ten thirty says, I and my Father are one. Jesus Christ is not only God on earth, he's not only the Son of God. He is God. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. Not to your puny brain, but it does to God. You better know this true God and this Jesus whom He has sent. You say, what if I don't know them? You don't have eternal life. Eternal life is knowing the true God. In Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. I hate to do this to give all that I have to give about. Jesus Christ being the Son of God, the Son of David, the Savior of His people. I've got too many verses to go through this afternoon. The time will run out. And it's too important to leave it out. So we're going to stop here and take up with that. and So we'll... Uh, Lord willing, we'll finish up verse 13 in our next message and continue on with 1 John chapter 5. But I want to drive this home as much as I can. And the reason is because of how many people. Have perverted the gospel over the years. Let's pray. Holy Father. There's not any way that I know how to magnify your name and the name of thy darling son as much as I desire. And obviously, you cannot be exalted. Nor honored or glorified too much. Frankly, it seems as if I'm just lost. In a sea, an incomprehensible sea of the matchless, glorious being and person of You, our Father, and Jesus Christ, thy Son, our elder brother. Oh God, would you not magnify the truth of your being and of your Son on our hearts with such indelible ink as the Holy Spirit can apply to a sinful body. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.